I'm leaving, and I thought, you know what? I think my wife needs a little hand this morning. Luke chapter number, Luke chapter number twenty-two and verse number thirty-one this morning. Luke already read for us our passage in Mark that corresponds with this, the harmony here. We see in Luke chapter number 22 in verse number 31, we'll read it here again. It says something a little bit different for us. I want us to see this morning. This was after the pass this is after the Passover meal. This is after they had already eaten and drinking of the what we know today is the Lord's Supper. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Now, that was must have been that when he said the word Satan, that must have been a wake up call, don't you think? I mean they were just at the dinner table. They had just the Lord's Supper had just been instituted and the last time that the Lord said Satan uh, to Peter, do you remember what he said? He said, Satan, get, he said, get behind me, Satan. Uh, so Peter's attention is uh, on, uh, he's, a, he's just full tilt. I mean, he's looking, ears are up, ready to go. We've got a little rat terrier type of dog. And whenever uh, there's, uh, there's danger around or somebody's walking up on the property that she doesn't know, I mean, ears go up. I mean, she's full attention. She's ready to go. And uh, she might be, the, be about the size of a pea, but I mean, she'll, she thinks she's the size of a Rottweiler. She's just ready to go and get something and get after it. And I bet, I bet his ears were standing tall and he was listening. Satan hath desired to have you. Look what he says here. That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Listen to what Peter says. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I believe the reading in Mark as uh, Luke read it for us in Mark 14. Thank you, Randall. It says uh, that they vehemently said this. I mean, they were passionate about it. Uh, they might have been in tears and uh, they were speaking loudly to him. But the Lord looks at Peter again and says, And I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Up to this point in our story of looking at the road to Calvary, we've seen several different people. We've seen a complete an utter pharisaical uh, unbeliever whose name was Caiaphas. He was the high priest that year, but he would be the, one of the main schemers in the plot to kill Jesus. Uh, we've seen uh, somebody that's completely and totally different, a lady named Mary, sweet, gentle. She broke the alabaster box upon Jesus. We saw a couple of weeks ago, we saw another man that wasn't as brazen as Caiaphas, but ended up being an unbeliever also, whose name was Judas, the traitor. And this week, we're looking at Peter. Peter. 
You know, in this story that we have here today, we want to see just a very simple thing, and that is that true believers always come back to the Lord. True believers come back to Christ. Lot's wife, what'd she do? Turn back. Lot ran for safety. We have learned about this man named Judas. He was unfaithful in that climactic week of Christ's life. He betrayed our Lord. He's called the traitor. He stands against Jesus Christ for just 30 pieces of silver. That's all. He was what we would call today a hypocrite. He was acting one way behind the scenes, but another and another but but behind the scenes he was a completely different person. And what's crazy is this is that nobody even suspected it. Nobody even noticed it. Nobody even had any clue about it. And sometimes I think that Judas himself didn't even know, it seems like. That's what happens sometimes for a hypocrite. A hypocrite doesn't even know who they are anymore. They've put the mask on and off so many times, they don't even know who they are. Judas would ultimately betray our Lord. He would betray our Lord. He would fall into deep regret, but he would never come to full repentance. Remember that. There's a great difference between regret and repentance. He faced great regret, but he never came to full repentance. He never came back to his Lord. He never came back to Christ. Even upon that final meeting, whenever the Lord looked at him and did not look at him and say, Enemy, what are you doing out here? What did the Lord say to Judas? Friend, betrayest thou me with a kiss? You know, even in that state, he would not turn. He would not humble himself. But today we learn about another man. His name is Peter. And in many ways, he's very similar to Judas. Judas was an outspoken man. Peter was an outspoken man, was he not? I think it was said well of Peter that he had foot and mouth disease, didn't he? I mean, he was, he was famous for putting his foot right up in his mouth. I mean, he, just, he was always able to do that. I mean, sometimes the words just came right out of his mouth like golden gleams of, of just beautifulness. But other times it was just pure satanic. Pure satanic. He had a way with words. Judas was outspoken. So was Peter. Uh, Peter would also fail Christ miserably. I mean, he failed him miserably. Have you ever failed Christ miserably? You don't have to raise your hand. I know my answer. I'll go ahead and confess. Yes, I have. Failed him miserably. But today, we'll see the main difference between one and the other is this, is that Peter would come back to his Lord, whereas Judas would not. And I want us to recognize three overlooked instances in a disciple's life. Three areas of our life that we need to see and understand of a true disciple. And I'm just going to just put it right out the beginning. This is kind of a dark area in our life. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel. God will oftentimes put us into situations to prove us. 
to test us. He did that with the disciples in the Gospel of John, chapter number 6, whenever he uh, asked Philip, he tested Philip about the five loaves and the two fishes. And he says, uh, when shall we buy meat for all of these? And he looks right at Philip and asks him that question. And the very next verse says, and he said this to prove him, for he, know, for he knew what he would do. Did you know that God tests you sometimes? But God may test you, but do you realize this? God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you to do sin. He may allow Satan to come in your path, but he himself will never tempt you. Judas and Peter, both of them were sifted. But Judas was the chaff that blew away with the wind. And Peter's going to end up being the wheat, the golden grain that falls down to the ground. You know what I pray for all of us today? That all of us are wheat. I don't pray that all of us won't be sifted. I don't pray that all of us won't be tested. But I pray all of us will be wheat. I pray that all of us, in the end, that we will prove true to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we truly have believed upon Him and called upon Him to be our Savior. Even if we go away from Him for a little bit, let us always come back to Him. Number one is this. See this today about true believers. True believers will be tempted. True believers will be tempted. I said that this is going to start off a little dark, and this is just the brass tacks of it, is that all of us in life are going to be tempted with sin. Peter was tempted. The disciples were tempted. Did you know that even our Lord was tempted? Our Lord was tempted. We're all going to be tempted with sin, but I'll give you some good news is that God will never allow you to be tempted up to only up to a certain point. God will not allow you to be tempted more than you're able to be tempted. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, the Bible says, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Never say this excuse to God. God, you gave me more than I can handle. That is going against the word of God. If you ever say that as a believer in the Lord, you have gone against the word of God. Because God's word says to you, the promise is, he will never give you anything, never allow anything to come in your path, allow you not even to be tempted above that you're able to be able to stand it. Oh, I just couldn't bear all of that thing. I couldn't do that thing. Yes, you could have. You're saved. You're a born-again believer and a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God. God allowed that to come into your life. Guess what? You could have bore it. You could have gone through it. You could have said no. You could have passed the test. But you failed. Do we not live in a society today that wants to take no responsibility? Amen? You say, that's the society we live in. That's the place we, I mean, that's the 21st century, right? We live in a place where nobody wants to take some responsibility. Do you know what? That's been going on since the very, very first people. People always, no, nobody ever wants to take responsibility. Adam and Eve didn't want to take any responsibility for their own sins that they had done, had they? 
I mean, they looked at God and they said, I mean, Adam said, it was the woman that you gave me. And Eve said, it was Satan over here. It was the serpent that tempted me to do these things. Let us all be careful to put aside other people and say, you know what? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. <laughs> not my mother, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. I need you. Satan's, if God did not restrain Satan, let me just tell you this. If God did not restrain Satan, do you realize that all of us would be deceived? Matthew 24, 24, for there are false Christs that have risen and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Think about that. If God did not restrain him, if God did not, uh, if God did not restrain Satan, then even the very elect would be deceived. His deceptions are so cruel, they are so crafty, they are so wily, as it says in another place. They are, so, they are so tricky that if we did not have the power of God on our sides, we'd fall for him every single time. Praise God for the power of God, though. Amen? Praise God for the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Job was allowed to be tempted by Satan severely. But God even put a restraint on the devil then whenever it says, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. This is a fact that Christians' life we fail to consider, that God at times will allow us to be tempted to a certain point. Christ suffered the temptation of Satan himself. He went into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted and he prayed for those 40 days and 40 nights. And then at the end of those 40 days and 40 nights, after he had not eaten anything, here came the lion, ready to pounce. You know when Satan often comes to tempt you? When you're at your weakest point. That's right. Long day work, long week of work. How many Christians have I talked to that love the Lord? I mean, love God. I mean, love God. They love the Lord. They read the Bible. They pray. I've talked to so many Christians that love God. They read his word. But a long week of work, and all of a sudden, they go, they, they're in the grocery store, and they go down the beer aisle. And they pull out a, they just, I don't know, it's just tired. They just grab a case of Bud Light, throw it in the cart, and go home, drink all 12 of them. Wake up the next morning with a hangover. All, they were drunk the night before. They said some things to their wife they shouldn't have said. Why did, they, why did they do that? What happened? Satan tempted them. It was a long week at work. They were stressed. They were tired. They were wore out. Things had not been going the way they ought to have been going. I mean, and then there it was in front of them. They took it. They did it. And it was all said and done. It was all over with. What happened? Are they going to hell? No, they're children of God. Amen. They've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what happened is this, is that they were placed into a situation where they were tired, they are weak, and here came the lion, a roaring. And there's many of them. I could give you a hundred situations like that. 
We could talk about irritation. We could talk about frustration. We could talk about uh, lying. We could talk about stealing. We could talk about adultery. We could talk about, uh, we, we could talk about how we uh, disobey God. We could talk about so many things in which God puts in, which so many times Satan puts out in front of us. It could be pornography. It could be anything. Uh, all of those things in which at a weak moment, there you are put to the test. And in that weak moment, you will be tempted. I'll give you a word of warning. I love what Krumacher said. God sees that infernal vulture wheeling around our heads. And that's what Satan is. He's just a vulture. Amen. Just an old buzzard waiting to pounce upon some dead carcass. And God not dare conceal his assaults upon his children. He desired to have him. Go back to your Bibles in verse number 31. Satan, Satan, uh, the Lord said unto Simon, Simon, Simon. You ever notice in your Bible, if you read your Bible, that if you'll find that whenever the Bible says somebody's name twice, that there's a real meaning behind that? It's not just that that person that he's talking to ought to pay attention But when we're reading our Bibles and you see somebody's name two times in a row, you ought to pay attention too. Because God is about to say something very important. Remember the time when Abraham lifted up the knife to kill his own son, Isaac? How many times did God have to call out to Abraham? Twice. Abraham, Abraham. And here we have it here. We have God calling out to Simon and he says to him, he says, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you. God, he's telling him that Satan wants to take you. That word desired is a very interesting word. It means that it means to bring to trial is the idea. That's exactly what the word means. Uh, some, it's a legal term. Some even think the word has to do with another word that we use uh, today uh, that we know of the word execution. It could be the idea that Satan had desired to take Peter to the trial of execution. He was being put on trial and his death sentence was at hand. He thought to himself, you know what, I'm ready to take this booger here. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to show to Jesus that his number one follower, the one that his one day is going to be, he thinks is going to be uh, used greatly of him. I'm going to take him. I'm going to sift him. I'm going to make sure that this guy does not get out of my grips and he is going to fall away. He is going to be a hypocrite just like Judas. He is going to be chaff. He's going to probably go out and hang himself. He's going to go out and just get rid of his whole life. He's going to prove that he's an apostate. I'm going to prove it. Let me have him. That's what the devil wants to do to all of us. Do you know that, don't you? Revelation 12.10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, would excuse them before our God day and night. You know what? When Luke messes up, when Luke sins, I mean Luke never, never sins, but you know, whenever if he does, you know what I mean? If he ever did, uh, he never sent, right, Lexus? I mean, I mean, you live with him, right? So, you know, but if, if he ever, you know what? You know who's first to, first, the first person to God? It's probably won't even be Luke. It's Satan. 
He's standing in heaven night and day. He's saying, hey, hey, God, look what your child did. Look what he did. He's just a tattletale. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's one up there in heaven saying, look what he, just get rid of him. Stop. He shouldn't be teaching Sunday school. I mean, he shouldn't be in the church. He shouldn't have a good family. He shouldn't have any of those things. Just get rid of him, God. Look what he did. I'm glad, though, that in the courtroom of heaven, there might be an accuser. But I'm glad for the child of God, for the brethren, there's also an attorney. I've got an attorney. I've got a representative in heaven. Do you know that? I'm not there right now. You're not there right now. Say, how do you know that? Well, you're right here right now, okay? All right. You're not there right now, but Satan is and your attorney is. You know who your attorney is? Jesus Christ. Are you saved? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you a true follower in him? Guess what Jesus is doing in heaven right now whenever you do something wrong? And the devil is saying, look what they did. He's looking back at his father and he says, yeah, but look what I did. Look what I did. Look what, look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did on the cross. I died for him. I died for her. And I know they've messed up God, but, but God, I've forgiven them. And Lord, you don't look at them any way, anymore the way that you used to look at them. You know how you look at them, God? You look at them through me. You look at them through me. You will be tempted. You will be tempted. Satan is going to tempt you. His cohorts are going to tempt you. Will you pass the test? Jesus passed the test. Amen. When it was all said and done, you know how he passed the test? By giving the word of God. I'm not here to talk about that here today, but that's how you pass the test of temptation. You give Satan the word of God. You tell him what the word of God says. That's exactly what Satan, that's exactly what Jesus did. But you don't have to fail. You can pass the test. The Bible says in James 12, 1:12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life that fadeth not away, in which the Lord hath promised to them that love them. But here's the warning: let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God tempteth no man with evil, neither tempteth, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, he bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. If you pass the temptation like Jesus did, you never know. There might be angels on the other side ministering to you. But if you fail the test like Peter did and like we do sometimes... Guess what you'll have on the other side waiting for you? A rooster. But whether you have angels or whether you have roosters, guess what you have? You have God fighting for you, reminding you that you are his child. You will be tempted. Number two, I want you to see this. (laughs) I hate to even say this. But it's just the facts. You will be tempted. And most likely, 
you will fall. You know what Proverbs says? A just man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. It doesn't say may fall, might fall, could fall, should fall, would fall. No, it says falleth. You're going to fall. Thank God there's provision for that in his word. Amen. Thank God for what Jesus, what the Bible says of Jesus in Hebrews 9, that he liveth ever, that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Thank God that he prayed in John 17, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. Do you realize that Jesus is praying for you right now? He's praying for you today. He's praying for Peter. He says to Peter, he says, I have prayed for thee. He says, the Satan desires to sift you of wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Thy faith fail not. You say, but Peter fail. Peter, Peter fell to temptation, and I fall, and I thought Jesus was praying for me. I thought Jesus was praying for Peter. I thought that and when I got saved, that everything would be okay, and I wouldn't have to deal with sin anymore and all these kinds of things. But listen to me, my friend. Jesus in his omniscience knew what Peter would do. He even tells him what he would do. You're going to deny me, and God knows what you're going to do. But he says, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not, that you would not lose your attachment to me. Why didn't Jesus say that about Judas? Because Judas was not of Jesus. Jesus was not of the Lord. Judas was not attached to him. He was not a child of God. But Peter is a child of God. Just like if you've believed in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. What if I deny him? Well, then praise God, it even says in his word, if we suffer with him, he will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will not deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Do you know why Jesus Christ did not deny Peter into heaven? Do you know why he did not deny him as a child of God? Do you know why he came to him four different times after this occasion, three different times after this occasion, and spoke with him and loved him and even used him greatly and mightily at the time of Pentecost? Do you know why? Because Peter was that famous phrase in Paul's writings, in Christ. He cannot deny himself. When you're in Christ, you're in Christ. You can't lose your salvation. To lose your salvation, Jesus would have to, and this doesn't really make sense, but I don't know how else to say it, would have to lose himself. Because you're in him. He says, Satan's desired you. He says, you're going to fall. You're going to fall, but I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. I'm praying for you that in order that your faith will not fall. Do you realize that if you fail to God today that God's praying for you to come back to him? He's praying for you. He loves you. Brother Angel preached the other night for our teen night, and he said something I thought it was very, I used it in our teen Sunday school too. He said an illustration that really kind of stuck out in my mind. This little girl that's five years old, Eliana, he said, if I tell Eliana to go 
uh, to not uh, climb a tree. He said, and she goes and she disobeys me. And she falls down out of the tree and scrapes her knee. <laughs> he said, then he said this, this was the shocking part. He said, I'm not going to go over to Eliana and punch her in the face. Well, I hope not, you know what I mean? He said, but isn't that how we think about God a lot of times? That God is just standing in heaven with his fist balled up. I mean, he is just ready to punch us in the face. God is in heaven ready to just pounce on us, hurt us, break our arm, break our leg. I mean, he is ready to kill. He has got blood in his eyes. Is that how God is? No, he says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I love you. I don't want you to fall, but you're going to fall. And when you do fall, guess what? I'm praying for you, and I'm there for you, and I love you. And whenever you do uh, realize what you have done and you're converted, you come back to me. That's the idea of converted there. It's not that he wasn't saved. It's the idea that he's coming back to Christ. He says, when you do do that, establish the brethren, strengthen them, encourage them. And that's what you're supposed to do when you fall. You're not supposed to just hide it away in a corner. No, when you fall, you are supposed to go around. And when you get forgiveness and you come back to God and repent, you're supposed to go around and encourage others in the faith of Jesus Christ. And help them to see there's great forgiveness. You know what a preacher is, don't you? Don't answer that question. I'll tell you what it is, all right? It's just one sinner telling another sinner about somebody that loves sinners. That's all it is. You know, and I'm just excited that God saved me. And I just want you to be excited that God saved you. I'm excited and I'm glad God's forgiven me and I've been a failure on some things. But I'm just speaking to a lot of other people that have real honest with themselves that you've been on some failure on some things too. And we just all need God on our side. We need God on our side. And if we want God on our side, we've got to be honest that we are going to be tempted, that we are going to fall sometimes. But you know what? Here is the third thing, is that we fall hardest, though, when we're prideful. We're all going to trip. We're all going to fall. But the people that fall the hardest are those that are prideful. Because look at Peter's response to Jesus Christ when he tells him. He says, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. Luke read it to us that they opposed him vehemently and said, Lord, we are not going to deny you. You might as well forget about saying that, Lord. But what happened? Every single one of them left the Lord in the garden. They all betrayed him. Every single one of them. The Lord said, I tell you that even this night, that when the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. If you're sitting here today, and you're thinking to yourself as I'm preaching the word of God, I'd never do that. I, I'd, never, I'd never act like that. I'd never betray the Lord. I'd never 
I'd never lie. I'd never cheat. I'd never steal. I'd never, I wouldn't do those kinds of things. You better watch out because pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We fall the hardest when we are the most prideful. If you have been sitting here this morning and you thought to yourself, we're missing about 20 people here this morning. If you thought to yourself, I wish so-and-so was here today, they should be listening to this message. You know what? You better watch out. You're being prideful. You're being prideful. And the message when you come to church is not for, you know, Sister Wobblejaw or, you know, Mr. So-and-so. The message is always for you. It's for me. We always need to realize that. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Happy is the man that feareth always. Amen? But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Don't harden your heart. See the warning for what it is. Is that Jesus is trying to tell Peter something. Yes, of course. But it is a greater warning for us too. That he's trying to tell us also. That we will be tempted. That we will fall. But may God help us to stay humble. Jesus never sinned. Praise God. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus felt every pain, every agony, every bit of loneliness and torture that anybody could ever feel times 100. Jesus experienced it all, yet he never sinned. You say, how do I relate to how in the world am I ever going to get over these problems? How am I going to get over these things? How in the world could one ever relate to me? Listen to me what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse number 4, it says, Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. Jesus bore the pain upon him on self. He bore it on himself. But listen to me, he didn't bear his pain. He bore your pain, your sin, your sorrow. He bore the world's pain and sorrow on himself. Judas, and I'm not making light of this, I believe suicide is a very very grave matter. But Judas could not bear the guilt of just himself. And he went out and he hung himself. Jesus bore the guilt of the whole world upon himself. And the Bible tells us that in the garden, he almost literally died with that grief. He sweat great drops of blood coming out of his pores. That is a medical condition of somebody close to death and under extreme agony and pain that he felt there. Why? Because he was bearing your sin and my sin and the world's sin upon himself. 
had he not been God, he would have died. But God came to him after that time and again ministered to him again with angels and gave him enough strength to get up from there and go to Golgotha's hill and offer himself as a sin sacrifice to all that will believe. Have you believed upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you seen that he is the one, the only one that can bear your sin? If you have, you know what? You're weak. If you have, then you're going to be tempted. You might even fall. But always realize there's relief and help and forgiveness back with Jesus Christ. We all need God. That's all we need. May all of us see our need in Christ. Father, we're thankful for the word of God.